we need to, um, yeah, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit in, in, in any way or form, in, in, you know, whatever he wants to do, we just need to be open. So guess what? I came here to Dallas just for you guys tonight. That's it. This is all I'm going to do. And tomorrow I'm going to have a break. The first break I have in, I don't know how many weeks, probably 40 weeks. I don't know how many weeks. I don't know when was the last Sunday I didn't preach. So tomorrow I'm going to have a break. I'll probably go to, you know, somewhere in the city and, and attend church and probably go to Gateway Church. I've heard so much about Gateway. And I, just, I love Carrie Dope and her worship news and the, the, the anointing upon her life. And, yeah, uh, it's just amazing what God is doing through Gateway. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to be here until Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I'm leaving to New Jersey. And we have some meetings up there in, in Wildwood, New Jersey. And then, and then uh, I'm going to San Antonio after that. So I'm sort of zigzagging, you know, going up and down. But that's what I do as an evangelist, you know. I sort of go north and then south and then back, back up north, you know. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Sometimes the evangelist uh, uh, schedule doesn't make sense. And you look at, like, why don't you just line up things this way? Well, because the Lord lined it up differently. So I just need to follow the Lord, you know. And, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But anyways, I'm having so much fun. Over the last two weeks, I've been ministering. In, we, I was in New York last, uh, last week. I preached in the Hamptons. I was uh, also in Orlando. I preached down there as well. So this is one of our U.S. tours, and we're believing God that, you know, something is going to happen. Something is going to shift in the spirit. And, and, and I'm believing that there is going to be an awakening in the remnant, you know. And those who love the Lord, those who are pursuing the Lord. Obviously, you have the church as a whole, but the church is not the chosen ones. It's just the church. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about the body of Christ or the church, the kingdom church. I'm talking about just the church in general. And out of that church as a whole, there is a group and is the remnant. You know, the chosen ones. The ones that God has picked, handpicked for His glory. And to be the bride. We are the bride. I'm, I'm not sure if you are part of that bride. But I, I, will, I would like to say that I'm part of that bride. Are you part of the bride? Yes. So we are that the Acts 29 church. So we are the ongoing expression of the kingdom of God on earth. We are the continuation of his glory and power, miracle signs and wonders and the supernatural of God on earth. We can do many things in Christ. And we can do greater things than the ones Jesus did. So now looking at what they did, the disciples, let's read on verse 42. And it says, And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together, and had all things common, mm. and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And then it, it, it says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, this church wasn't driven by men's strategies. This church wasn't driven by men's programs. This church wasn't driven by, by numbers, but rather by quality. And they wanted the quality of His presence. So they weren't driven by big numbers. You know, they weren't pursuing the numbers. The numbers were following them. I mean, the multitudes were following these disciples. The crowds were following them because they saw Jesus in them and they wanted what Jesus, you know, deposited in these disciples. They wanted that. They wanted the power. They wanted, the, you know, the, the signs, the wonders. They wanted to see God moving in their lives. So you see a church that was birthed out of, a, you know, glorious experience like the one they had when they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them in, in the upper room. You see a church that started out of this amazing encounter where flames of fire came upon them and they started speaking in different tongues. You see a church that starts out of nothing, pretty much, you know, just 120 coming together, you know, praying and, and, and believing God, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon them, there's a great outpouring, and then all of a sudden Peter, you know, out of that crowd comes out, with great fire, boldness, and, and, and authority, and preaches he, the greatest sermon. I mean, after the one Jesus preached on the mountain, but he preaches an amazing sermon, and 3,000 people get saved on the spot. Isn't that awesome? You know, so that's the church. This is how we, the church, started. Well, Jesus started a working ass. You know, 2014 years ago, or even more than that. And that's how Jesus started his ministry, doing signs and wonders, preaching the kingdom. In fact, the word kingdom is mentioned more than 40 times in the four Gospels alone. The word kingdom. Why? Because Jesus wanted to establish that, that culture in the church. He wanted to make it clear that we're not just... Another group, or he didn't establish any religion. He didn't establish any cult. He established the kingdom. We are not just another group. We're not just another religion. There, there, there are 3,000 religions out there. We are not part of them. We're not part of the religious system of this world. We are the church. We are the bride. We are the chosen ones. We are the ones that Jesus is going to return for. We are the hand-picked ones that Jesus is going to send out to the world. We're going to win souls. and We're going to see wonderful things. So number one, uh, I believe the Acts Church is based on, number one, good teaching. Yes, there you go. Good teaching. Number two, fellowship. Number three, revelation. And number four, prayer. Number five, the supernatural. So I'm going to break those. I'm going to speak on those aspects in the next, you know, uh, however long the Lord is going to allow me to speak on those, on those topics. But let me tell you something. The Acts 29 church is us. We are the Acts 29 church. We are, God has given us a great commission. And we are to continue what Jesus started. 
We are to continue what he started. The great commission. Mark 16 verse 15. That is our great commission. So that is our calling. And you know warming a pew in church. Or going to church every Sunday. He's not going to cut it. You know being part of a church body. is not going to cut it. We need to be part of the kingdom. And we need to represent the kingdom. And take the kingdom everywhere we go. That's why I love you know when. We see people on fire for the Lord going out to the shops and witnessing to people and, you know, spreading the gospel and doing supernatural things because we are that church. We are the supernatural church. You know, I mean, it's incredible that you see a lot of people going around the world, half, halfway around the world, looking for the spiritual reality of life. You know, I've met a lot of people. I bumped into a lot of people. I've met people on planes that are going to, you know, India, Africa, and different places, and they're going, they're going in a spiritual quest, in a spiritual adventure, because they want the fulfillment of the emptiness they have, which they haven't found anything that can fill it up, and they haven't found a church that can fill it up in town. Because most churches are busy doing their Sunday morning services and there is no prayer, no altar call. Believe me, if you look at the statistics in America, altar calls have dropped dramatically. Sunday evening services have been shut down in many places across America. Worship meetings are no longer the same. It's more about a beautiful time of music, sound, and great lighting, and you know, great a great performance rather than the presence of God and the anointing coming down and having a great time with the Holy Spirit. See, I, I, I want to have the lights and the smoke and, and, and the good music, but if, if the Holy Spirit is, there, is not there, then I don't want to have none of that. I want to have, you know, I want to be relevant. And, and, and I know a lot of churches are talking about being relevant. We need to be relevant to our community. We need to be relevant to generation X and generation this and generation that. But if you are relevant and you forget where the church started, and if you forget the roots of the church, and if you forget our legacy, if you forget where we come from, if you forget what our foundations are, if you forget who is the Holy Spirit, then you're basically being part of another religious group. And you're just calling yourself, you know, you just have a tag. I'm a Christian. I'm a Sunday church coworker. And a lot of people are doing that. They just go to church and they live in religion. But you guys are not under religion. You're under the power of God. You live in the kingdom. How many of you are part of the kingdom? I'm part of the kingdom. So I'm telling you, God wants to shift things in America. And he wants the remnant to wake up and sound the trumpet and tell other people, hey, let's stop having church and let's have the Holy Spirit in church. Let's have, let's celebrate the Holy Spirit. Let's celebrate the, the, the culture of revival. Let's celebrate the culture, the Pentecostal culture. This was the culture that was given to us. This is it. Signs, miracles, wonders, speaking tongues. I mean, you name it. All of these things that happened more than 2,000 years ago was the culture that the apostles laid down. They, they were the ones who started this movement. You know, they were the ones who started it. Jesus started it, obviously, but they continued it. And we've seen how 
the, the movement of the Holy Spirit has been, you know, prevalent for so many decades, years and years and years. And it has sort of died down and it has sort of been awakened again and revived again. And, it, you know, it's, it's like it doesn't matter what man tries to do, the Holy Spirit will always outwin any effort of man to try to shut him down. The Holy Spirit will always reappear in the scene because he's the Spirit of God. And in, in, despite of religious systems across, you know, centuries trying to shut down the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will always try to stir up things and men like to have comfort and like to have control and like to have everything in a system. And, and you can't put the Holy Spirit in a system. Hello? You can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. You can't put the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit likes to do it his way and in his timing and the way he likes it and I'm not you know sometimes it may look you know, a, a bit messy and, and confusing and you know just everything the Holy Spirit is doing may, may seem illogical you know from the point of view of man hello but we just need to trust God because the Holy Spirit is doing it and so if the Spirit of God is doing it, He's the, the one who, who, who brings, you know, these gifts. And, and, and he, he, He's the one who brings the anointing, the flavor, the fire, the passion. Have you met people that are filled with the Holy Spirit? And when you talk to them, you realize they're filled with the Holy Spirit because of the amount of passion they have? The fire that is in them? Can, can you see it when you talk to someone who is filled with the power of God? You can tell that. You can tell that that person has been exposed to the Holy Spirit. You can tell that. I mean, it is impossible to hide it. Unless if you're a really good actor and, uh, you know, you can play the frozen and chosen play. You know, a lot of folks out there, you know, especially frozen and chosen, God, have mercy on them. And I'm telling you, there is an hour that is coming upon America and upon every nation. It's called the hour of the great falling out way. And lots of people are going to fall in their faith and they're not going to believe anymore and they're going to turn to the system and they're going to say well this is what I believe because my pastor says so not because the Bible says so but because my pastor says so and because my pastor's on TV because my pastor has the greatest church in the city because my pastor has you know TV a TV channel and a radio station and my pastor has all this money then I'm pretty sure my pastor's listening from God Hello. And so we're going to see an hour in America and also in many nations where people are going to be so confused. They don't know. They're not going to know what to believe in anymore. You know, have you seen the numbers dropping in many churches? And now there is this great movement, which is the online church, the Internet church. A lot of people are staying home on Sundays and they rather watch the service from home from the comfort of their house because they don't want to go to church anymore. And uh, there are plenty of reasons why they're not doing that. But a lot of people are disillusioned, disappointed, hurt, wounded, and they don't want to go to church anymore. Hello? Why? Because a lot of churches are just doing what you know a lot of businesses do 
They are running churches as a good business. You know, the other day I was hearing a, a guest speaker who went to this big church. You know, I'm not, I have nothing against big, big churches and big ministries. You know, I've been to some of these big churches. And obviously, especially, you know, when, when these big churches are driven by numbers, you can see that. It's in the culture. They're always talking about it. And they are celebrating it. Always. And if the numbers are not making sense, then they have meetings and reassess and they, you know, have planning meetings. And what are we doing wrong? So we need to change the coffee. We need to change the tea. We need to put more sugar on the table. We need to, you know, adjust and be relevant to the community. I have nothing against being relevant to the community. What I have against is taking the Holy Spirit out of church. Taking the anointing out of church. Taking the supernatural out of church. Because then what you're going to have as a consequence of pursuing the men's agenda is, you know, you're going to have all of these ideas that are fabricated by men. Not by the Holy Spirit. They're not, by, they're not being given by revelation or by prayer or by fasting. And don't mention those two words, prayer and fasting. Hello? Many churches don't want to hear about those two words, especially those that are in the hyper-grace movement. Hello? Especially those that are preaching hyper-grace because they, they believe that, you know, prayer and fasting, is, it's an old-fashioned thing. And, and we shouldn't pray and fast anymore because that's part of, you know, it's part of the law. It's, it's, if, if you're praying for something, then you're working for something, then then you're, you're sort of asking for something and you've you got to pay a, pri a price for something. And, and then that's not grace. Grace is something that's given for free, so you don't have to pray for it. Hello? God help them, I'm telling you. God help them. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of people speaking this stuff. Like they're not going to church because it's part of the law. Hello? They're not tithing. They're not off giving offerings because it's part of the law. It's part of the Old Testament. And everything is by grace. And I can do whatever I want. So I'd rather go to a party because by grace I'm allowed to go to a party and skip church altogether. And a lot of folks, especially my generation, are embracing that hyper grace stuff. And they're just going for it. And they're loving it. Because it is... Unfortunately, it is a license to do whatever one likes. Whatever. I mean, there is no limits. No, there is no boundaries. There is no character building process. There is no behavior. There is nothing. You just do whatever. You, if you want to go to church, fine. If you want to pray, fine. But remember, you're under grace. So under the grace of God, you are fine. And it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. At the end of the day, God is going to justify you. Let me tell you something. This church, the Acts Church, preached repentance. They preached repentance. They lived they, they lived what they preached. They preached repentance. They preached the power of forgiveness. They preached about Jesus and his work on the cross. They preached salvation. And they mentioned that word, Paul, Peter, that forbidden word which has become a swear word in many churches and is a word repentance. And don't you mention the word hell. It has become a taboo. 
Don't you mention that word. Because people are going to switch off and they're going to think you're a, a, you know, a gloom and doom kind of preacher. How far have we gone from the roots of the gospel? And you know, I was praying this afternoon and the Lord showed me the map. I was praying and interceding, veiling the spirit, and the Lord showed me the map of America. And I saw this wave of darkness enveloping America. And I just, I prayed and I said, Lord, please show me, tell me what's happening. And the Lord said, Said, and he confirmed something which was released yesterday by Billy Graham. He basically said, America has become the new Sodom. And this is not something that, you know, a Pentecostal preacher like Benny Hinn would say, Billy Graham said it. And he wrote an article and he said, America has become the new Sodom of the earth. And I was just praying. I said, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. And the Lord said, tell my people to start preaching on repentance. Tell my people that they need to repent and pray like Daniel prayed, like Nehemiah prayed, like Jeremiah prayed. You know those intercessors in the spirit that just pray in the spirit and repent on behalf of the nation? You know, we need to pr pray and repent on behalf of this nation. And, and, and we need to, to see God moving again. We need a, another revival. Otherwise, this is, this is a train wreck. And no one is going to stop it. Only Jesus can stop it. So we're living in very perilous times. Very dangerous times. Very, you know, dangerous times because of the lack of revelation. The lack of word, the lack of knowledge, the lack of spirit, the lack of the lack of light enlightenment. You know, especially, you know, I see folks going to church and they have no idea of what is happening. You know, they they, they have no clue. I mean, they hear about the, the blood moons, but they're oh yeah, another eclipse. It's not another eclipse. And it's all tied in with, the, the, you know, the end times and Israel and everything that is happening has so much significance. And the Bible says, pay attention, wake up, lift up your eyes because your Redeemer is coming. Come on, church. Your Redeemer is coming. I mean, we're living in a very interesting, interesting season. And we just need to pray. We need to pray for an awakening. We need to pray for the Lord to bring repentance, conviction back to the churches. You know, I, I heard this preacher saying, so I was going to tell you this story. And the preacher said, so how are you doing? How do you feel about church this morning? He said, well, for me, it's like another day in my office. And when he said that, this other preacher, my friend, he literally wept in the spirit. He couldn't take that. He was so... I was so grieved by that statement. What do you mean another day in your office? This is not your office. This is God's house. This is his sanctuary. We're going to have a great time. This is not just an office. But a lot of people, you know, a lot of preachers have become professional preachers. 
A lot of preachers have become good motivational preachers. And we're living in that dangerous time where it doesn't matter who you see on TV. You may see someone who is very popular, has a great website. But that doesn't mean that man preaching behind the pulpit is a man of integrity. So we're living in times where the church needs to have such a sharp level of discernment. Because of the stuff we're hearing, the stuff we're seeing, the stuff. Otherwise, we can, number one, either become really disappointed. Or number two, we can become really passionate. We have two choices here. We become disappointed and we quit and we say, stuff this. I'm not going to church. Stuff that. Look at their behavior and the, the way they do things. Stuff that. I'm not doing that anymore. Or we can have the option of becoming really passionate and say, Lord, it doesn't matter what the church is looking like at this point. The church is looking weak. The loudest see a church is looking really poor spiritually. But I'm going to rise up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. I'm part of the remnant. And I'm not going to be one of the left behind. I'm going to go. I'm going to follow you, Lord. I, I don't know what's happening right now. I may not understand it. I may not be able to wrap my head around it. But I know that you have a plan for my life. And as long as I'm on this planet, I would like to fulfill that plan that you have for my life. I know that you have a destiny for my life. Right? They continue. Look at that word. They continue. They, they, they didn't stop. They didn't quit. They never gave up. They were thrown in jail. They were, you know, tortured. They were persecuted. By the way, folks, we are about to see a great wave of persecution in America. And get ready, because if you preach this witch, you know, this wishy-washy kind of gospel, if you preach this, you know, uh, sort of shallowy kind of gospel, then you're going to be all right. You're going to be fine. But if you preach the truth, and if you're one of those that the government may call radical in those days, hello, then you may be one of the persecuted ones in the future. My question is, are you willing to be persecuted for the sake of the true gospel? Because there is going to be a time in this nation where everything, all, all the pulpits and churches in America, and you may not believe it, you think, oh no, we have the great constitution, we have the bill of rights, we have this and that, and that's going to protect us. Let me tell you something, the enemy is working a very crafty plan, and he's working towards controlling everything. And only the true church is going to stick together and be faithful and keep vigilant until the end, until Jesus returns. Jesus may tarry. If he tarries, you and I need to be ready for what is coming. I believe in, 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 the, in, the, in the rapture. I believe that he's coming back. But if he tarries, then you and I must be ready. Because if you and I face the persecution that is coming and we're not prepared and we're thinking that we're not going to go through persecution, then I'll, let me tell you something. It's going to hit us hard. Especially when, when, you know, when we're not allowed to pray, we're not allowed to preach against. I mean, what just happened in Houston is the trigger point 
uh, it's just a starting point of something that is going to change the face of freedom of religion in this nation. And you may say, no, that's not going to pass. Well, I, I, I pray not. I pray not because it, that's it. If that it goes through, then let me tell you something. We better pay attention. Because, I mean, it's incredible. The amount of preachers, you look at the, the numbers, the amount of preachers that have been thrown in jail just because of preaching out there in the streets with no permits. It's just amazing. I mean, uh, I'm sure you guys have faced some opposition while doing your treasure hunting, right? I'm sure you have faced some opposition. I mean, the world is not happy and the enemy is not happy and the enemy is not going to sit around and say, hey, the great, the, look at the church, they're doing great. No, the enemy is going to go you know, and chase you. The greater is the one who is in us. Come on, folks. Greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in this world. So they continue. They never gave up. And they were part of the body. So they were not just lone rangers. They were not, you know, under their own covering. They were part of the fellowship. And that's what it says. They were part of the fellowship. So the, the, the kingdom church that God is rising, raising, it is the church that is part of the body. That's part of, that's connected with the body. That, 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 is, that is plugged into the body. So what does that mean? That means that we pray for one another. We edify one another. We bless one another. We are a gift to one another. And God will use you to bless someone in the body. So you're not just standing here on your own. You're part of the great body of Christ. So you need to understand this because, you know, when you have an individualist kind of mind, like, oh, I'm doing this on my own, then that's not kingdom. That's not kingdom. When you're, you know, so independent that you want to run on your own and do it on your own, that's not kingdom. You need to be part of the body. You need to go with your brothers and sisters. Jesus sent the disciples two by two. What does that speak of? Speaks of unity. Speaks of, come on. Speaks of unity. Speaks of being together as a body. You know? So, I, 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 I don't know what is happening with a lot of these folks that are just, you know, forming their own things and walking because they've been disappointed. When you see, there's a temptation of wanting to do your own thing if you are wounded or if you are disappointed because church has disappointed you, so you want to do your own thing. You're not, you don't want to be part of the body. When you have stepped into that dimension, it's a very dangerous place to be because you're outside of the covering. You need to be in the body. How many of you believe that? I mean, how many of you love church, the body? You know, coming here, rejoicing, having coffee. But that's not about, you know, that's not just the highlight of the service. I'm sure you get all energized and empowered after that coffee. And you probably, you know, you have a hard time going to sleep after that. Especially if you had three cups of coffee during the service. Um, well, over there in Australia, they don't have coffee. They have tea. And, uh, man, they're tea fanatics. Oof, they tea, they drink tea all day long. I mean, three or four times a day sometimes. And uh, it, when, you know, one of the highlights of the service is having tea. Having tea and biscuits at the end. 
And so at the end, everybody's having tea and biscuits and gathering together and just having a great time of fellowship, praying for one another, and just the tea. That's the highlight sometimes. In some churches, especially in the seeker-friendly churches, they just want to have that tea time. No, no prayer time. There's no prayer time, but there is tea time. Hello? Come on. Do you think that's right? No. Do you think the disciples were sitting there just eating, having fellowship, and they were not praying and, 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 and you know, edifying each other, teaching each other? I mean, the disciples will come together, and their prayers were so powerful that the anointing would come down on them, and the place will literally shake by the power of God. It will literally shake. I mean, that, that's the kind of anointing we want to have, right? Where we see the shaking happening in our lives. And we see things that are ungodly falling off and breaking off. We want that kind of anointing. The disciples walked in signs. They walked in the supernatural. And that word is, you know, when you hear that word, the supernatural, a lot of people think, oh, I want that. But how can I get that? You know, it's so easy. Just walk into the presence of God. Be fed with the word and the spirit. Spend time with God. Marinate in his presence. Do whatever. Just lay there. Do whatever you want to do. But spend time with God. And he's going to develop a great friendship and relationship with you. To the point that the supernatural is going to become part of your lifestyle. It's going to be, become part of your day-to-day things to do. I mean, you're going to go to the grocery store and you're going to see supernatural miracles like that. You're going to lay hands on people while you're doing your things, walking out and about, and God is going to use you because you are his instrument. And so the supernatural becomes part of your DNA. Wherever you are, you're not afraid. You just lay hands on people and you let the power of, of the Lord touch them. Remember, it's not your responsibility. It's up to Jesus whether he, he wants to heal or not. I mean, obviously he wants to heal, but obviously we need to respect and be aware that God is a sovereign God. And his sovereignty in his sovereign, you know, sovereign power, he will heal anybody at any given time. But if he doesn't do it right in that moment, don't give up. Don't get disappointed. Don't get discouraged. Don't beat up yourself. Don't get all, you know, upset because that miracle didn't happen on the spot. Just keep praying. Keep asking the Lord. If it doesn't happen then, it will happen tomorrow. And I saw this incredible miracle. Um... Many years ago, I was preaching in a, in a crusade in a small village um, in Guatemala. And we were going to the small town up in the mountains. And I remember the pastor was really late. And uh, when he came to pick us up, it was almost, you know, like 5 o'clock. And the service was supposed to start at 5 o'clock. So, so we're like waiting for him. And, we, you know, we were really nervous because, I mean, the service was supposed to start at 5 o'clock and we were like an hour away from the location, from the church. And it was 5 o'clock when he came to pick us up. He came, you know, very easy, going, just shook my hand. Are you ready? And then took us into the car and drove off. But, I, you know, sometimes people might seem like that. But when they're on the road, they change their personalities. like they... They take on Superman, you know, persona. So this guy started driving like a maniac. I mean, he was going so fast. 
we were just praying in tongues. And under my breath, I was just saying, Lord, please protect us. If this is the last day of my ministry, well, praise God. I've been preaching for four years now. That's awesome, Lord. I give you this time and journey unto you because I don't know whether I'm going to make it to this village. And I was just praying and praying and just waiting in the Lord. And, and uh, we were really nervous. I mean, this guy was doing all sorts of crazy things. You know, there was a, a point where we faced this truck. And this truck was on our lane. And, you know, this truck had to stop. And we had to sort of swerve, you know. Uh, to, our, to our right, and it was just incredible. He was tailgating. He was doing all sorts of crazy things. I'm telling you, the angels hopped off the car before we even knew it. I'm telling you. And, uh, and we got there, and it was 6 o'clock, and the crowd was there, and they were praising and worshiping, having a great time. I mean, that kind of faith. It's hard to see that kind of faith. I mean, if you don't get to, to church on time, people don't like you especially in America. If you're not on time, they don't like you. They're like, preacher, not supposed to be late. You know, and you, you know they, they see you as, as Benny Hinn. You know, when Benny Hinn walks in the platform, he's like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, people are just waiting for him, and then all of a sudden he shows up, you know. So they think that you're like that. Anyways, sometimes things just go, you know, they, they are not under your control, and, and sometimes you, you, you're like five minutes, 10 minutes late, you know. And, and uh, anyways, but this time it wasn't my fault. It was a pastor's fault. He came late. He picked us up late. And so we were rushing to the place and taken to the platform. And I didn't even have time to pray. I mean, nothing. Not even to prepare. Not even to open the Bible. Or get You know, nothing. Just had to grab my Bible. Went straight to the platform. Was given the microphone. And like, here you go. Do your thing. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I started preaching, witnessing. I mean, it was a great night. Lots of people came forward. It, the place was packed, absolutely packed. So one of the highlights of that meeting, um, not so much the miracles that took place. I mean, many miracles took place, and a lot of people got saved and delivered. I mean, when you go to this villages, I mean, there are demons walking everywhere, roaming everywhere, and roaming around. And so you see all sorts of uh, manifestations you know, when you lay hands on people. You see demons coming out like there's no tomorrow. You see, I mean, all sorts of demons coming out. So we saw all of that, but despite that, there was this boy laying on the ground, and, and I saw him, and I just, I knew that Jesus wanted to touch him. He had been paralyzed since birth, and so I looked at him. And I, I, I knew that God was wanting to do something in this boy's life. And uh, he was looking at me and he was like ready to receive something. You know, like in the movies. Like, have you seen the book of Matthew? Have you seen that movie that was um, released in the 1990s, early 1990s? Okay. By the way, I was with uh, the guy who played Jesus two weeks ago. It was so cool. It's like oh, I was hanging out with Jesus. And uh, so, you know, people just have this, in the movie, you know, you can see that people just have this faith, you know, this, this like hunger, you know, they're like expecting something. They're ready to receive something. And so this boy, it was written all over his face that he wanted a miracle. 
And he wasn't going to leave that place until he would get his miracle. And I prayed for him. And let me tell you something. I prayed like I'd never prayed. Like, Lord, I did everything, you know. Pray, laid hands on. I mean, stood on one foot. I mean, do whatever. Uh, I mean, just prayed and prayed. And nothing happened. So, at the end, I was just scratching my head, you know. There was a point in my ministry where I had to surrender that to the Lord. I had this ongoing question. Lord, why do you heal some? You know, some so many people come to these crusades and only a uh, you know, certain percentage of people get healed and the other percentage go home and they're the same. And I just sort of surrendered that. I died to that. I said, it's not up to me, Lord. It's up to you. And whether you heal or don't heal is not my business. It's your business. So, you know, they were not worried about the reputation. These folks were not worried about, you know, whether they were going to be seen out there in the public and, and they were going to be, you know, put in ridicule. They were not worried about those things. They were worried about preaching the gospel and making disciples. That was their passion. That was their drive. That's why the church, the Acts Church, was so successful in what they did. Because they never... Never put the Great Commission aside. They always had this Great Commission written on the tablets of their hearts. And they just went for it. And it doesn't matter what they went through. I mean, they went through some terrible persecution. These folks were eaten by lions down the track. They were, they were persecuted big time. But their faith was so strong that it doesn't matter what they, you know, but let me tell you something. This is amazing what I'm about to tell you. The next day, we get a phone call. And he's a pastor. And he is screaming on the phone, literally screaming like, we don't know what happened, but when you prayed, remember for that boy you prayed yesterday? And they went home and the boy slept and he was all right. But then the next morning when he got up, he went to his mom. He walked for the first time. He got up and walked. And he went to his mom and asked for breakfast. Isn't that awesome? And, 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 and his mom was looking at him like, what are you doing? You know, like standing in awe. Like, how come you're walking? You're not supposed to be walking. You know? I mean, it was wild. It was an incredible miracle. And the pastor called us and we were all, you know, excited and rejoicing for that miracle. It was just awesome. I've seen many miracles. I just saw a miracle two weeks ago. Um, a man came to our, to our meeting and he was told that he was going to die. That he had to basically prepare his will and prepare his family and prepare uh, his friends because he was going to die. And uh, he was given just a few, you know, a few months because his heart, he had a rare heart condition, heart disease. It was like his heart was pretty much messed up. And uh, he came to one of the meetings and we prayed for him the first night, Friday. He came Saturday. We prayed for him. He didn't tell us what was wrong with him. But just, we just kept praying. And on Monday morning, he went to the doctors, to the cardiologist. And he had an x-ray or whatever they do. You know the scan, the uh, heart scan? And... He was given the best news of his life. The doctor said, I don't know what happened to you this weekend, but last week I told you that you were going to die. Well, I have news for you. 
you're going to live probably another 40 years. His heart was replaced. God gave him a brand new heart. I believe in those miracles. You know, we are the Acts Church. We lay hands on people. But we don't trust in our ability to heal. We can't do it. We don't heal anyone. Jesus heals. So if you're thinking like, is it going to happen, Lord? Am I going to do it? Is a fire coming out of my hand? Can I feel it? If you're relying on your own ability, on your own strength, it's not going to happen. But if you're relying on the power of God and you're just laying hands, you know, just believing God, praying, and just using the name of Jesus and casting out demons, and believing God for that miracle, it will happen. You just got to have faith and persevere. Stick to the word. And don't give up too quickly. You know, and they, they, they were part of the fellowship, but also they were, you know, hmm, this is going to blow you away. They were breaking bread all the time. You know, that action of breaking bread is not just having a great meal. Breaking bread, and if you translate the word bread, bread means word, and is the word of life. Jesus was made into the word to bring life. And so, remember that time when, when the two men were walking with Jesus? They didn't know that Jesus was there, but they, you know, Jesus was telling them about all the signs, miracles, and they were walking, having a great time with Jesus, having a great chat, and then they came to the place, went into the house, broke the bread, Jesus gave them the bread, and then what happened? Their eyes were open, and they realized, and all of a sudden this conviction fell upon them, and they realized that Jesus was actually walking with them, and they never knew that Jesus was there. Isn't that insane that you can walk with Jesus and not know that he's there? Hello? Hello? A lot of frozen chosen folks are in that position where they know that Jesus, you know, they're, they're talking to someone about the supernatural. Jesus is there. He's like right next to them, but they can't feel him. They can't see him. Fortunately, and you have a lot of, and believe me, a couple of weeks ago I went to a, a service where I preached to some Catholics. And I've never seen so many Catholics in my life so on fire for the Lord. I mean, these Catholics were radical. I mean, they were like passionate, speaking in tongues, raising their hands, worshiping. They were just going for it. I mean, they had such a... Such an incredible passion and zeal upon their lives. And, and the Lord said something to me. He said, you've been to so many Pente Pentecostal churches, haven't you? And I said, yes. Have you seen this kind of passion in many of those Pentecostal churches? And I just had to, you know, tell them. I just had to realize right there and then that the Pentecostal title sometimes doesn't, you know, doesn't mean anything. You can be a Pentecostal, but you're filled of cobwebs of religion. And you can walk into a Pentecostal church, and that Pentecostal church is dead. It's like the dry bones that Ezekiel prophesied over. You know? So it doesn't matter whether you have that tag. Being a Pentecostal is being someone who is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you a true Pentecostal? Are you a true Pentecostal? Are you a true disciple? 
So breaking a bread, meaning they, they received the word and they had revelation. Their eyes were open. And number four, they had a prayer culture. You know, I went to Indonesia and uh, I was awakened by the prayers. You know those Muslims, they just pray and pray and pray. They pray seven times a day. And uh, they pray continually throughout the day. I mean, you go to Dubai and uh, they sound, you know, they, they, they use the intercom system to tell the, the uh, shoppers that they need to stop doing whatever they're doing and they need to get on their knees and pray. And so the foreigners can't do that, obviously, because they don't know what they're doing. So they just sort of stand there, look at everybody praying, you know. It's like, like a big, you know, tourist attraction. Some of them pull out their cameras. No, no, no they can't do that. They, they can go to jail for that. But um, in Indonesia, I mean, at 3 a.m. in the morning, I mean, I love when the Holy Spirit wakes me up at, you know, 7 a.m., but 3 a.m.? No, I'm not. A I'm not. I'm not. I don't like to. I mean, I like to sleep in, and my sleeping in is probably 7, 30, 8 o'clock, and then I'm out. But uh, 3 a.m., Lord, you're still working on me, aren't you? 3 a.m. is not my best time. And uh, these guys, you know, were praying, and they had these sound systems outside. And they were praying inside their nomos. They were praying, and they were, they were using their, 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 you know, sound systems praying, but they, the speakers were not inside the mosque. The, speaker were out, the speakers were outside so that the whole village, the whole city could hear their prayers. And I'm not talking about one mosque. I'm talking about hundreds of them with their speakers outside. So you can imagine the sound, the noise. I mean, it was like, uh, uh, you know, the same noise you hear when the Dallas Cowboys win. It was just incredible, the noise. And obviously, I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't go back to sleep because every couple of hours, every three hours, they were doing the same. I don't this is all I remember. They, they sounded like that. And it was annoying. It was really annoying. It just became annoying. After two, two times, three times, it just became really annoying. I'm like, can they just stop doing what they're doing? And uh, I, just, I just prayed to my God, to the God of Israel. Because obviously they're praying to the God of, you know, the, God of the moon. Allah is the God of the moon. They don't know they're praying to the God of the moon because, you know, they're deceived. They're blinded. They need to be set free from that spirit of religion. And, uh, and the Lord just spoke to me and said, if my people pray the same way that these folks are praying, imagine the kind of revival. Imagine the kind of awakening. Imagine the kind of life that we would have in church. Imagine the kind of miracle signs and wonders we would see in church. Imagine, obviously, we don't have to put the speakers outside, you know. We just can't keep them inside, right? And have our own prayer services. Um, but imagine that. Imagine what would happen if we had that prayer culture. So it's very important because in a lot of churches, they have prayer services, but only two show up. Hello? Right? Am I saying the truth or? Yeah. And in fact, the statistics show that 
prayer services are no longer popular and in fact many churches don't have a prayer service altogether because they don't want to have they don't want to use the building and have a prayer facilitate a prayer service because people don't come they just don't come that's the culture you don't in fact midweek services in america have declined in fact i'm telling you something which is scary not many people are coming to Christ in Sunday. The rate of soul conversions have dropped, has dropped. Has dropped dramatically. To the point that not many souls, new souls are coming into the kingdom. What you're seeing, especially when someone like popular like Hillsong or any other church, you know, and I'm not against them. I love I've loved what God is doing in these churches. I mean they're part of the body, you know. You're seeing a lot of folks from other small churches jumping out of their churches and going into these big churches because they like what they're doing. And so these big churches become big overnight, not because of souls. If you look at the statistics and if you really look into that, well, probably 10-15% of the people that they attract are new souls. But the other percentage is transfer. Transfer growth. It's sad, isn't it? We need a revival. We need an awakening. We need new souls. We need a genuine kind of growth in America. We don't need transfer growth. It's, praise God for those who are going to other churches and connecting with the body of Christ. But we need souls to get saved. We need souls. I'm talking about broken, discouraged, sick, you know, demon-possessed, people out there staying at home on Sunday morning having their barbecues because they don't have anywhere else to go. You know? You have a lot of people that go to church. So we need those souls. And where do you find them? You find them at the world's church. And you know what the world's church is? The mall. You find them there. Just go to the Wolves Church. and You will find them there. I'm telling you. By the hundreds and thousands. In fact, that's, that's a good place to do treasure hunting. That's a good place to do evangelism because you will find them there. I mean, you don't have to advertise any camp meeting, no healing meeting. You just go there. They're there. They're, the, they're doing their shopping. But if you can show them the power of God, they will be there. Show them the power of God. Preach about the gospel. Show them the power of the gospel. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. How about we believe that many signs and wonders will be done by us? Come on. Can I see a hand? Can I see a hand? We need to believe God for a new beginning. For a new awakening. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Shut up. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. Begin to cry out in the Spirit if you have a worship song or something. Thank you, Jesus. 
Lord, we want more. We want more, Lord. More of your presence. We want your presence in us. We want to be the voice. Voice that brings hope. The voice that brings light. Voice that brings the message of salvation and repentance. We want to be the church rises from the ashes. We want to be the church that brings light where there is darkness. We want to be the church that walks in power, signs, wonders. We want to be the church that is constantly seeking, pursuing your face. We don't want to pursue a program. We don't want to pursue a strategy. We don't want to pursue ideals. You know, there is a battle right now going on across America. You know that movie, God's Not Dead? That's just the reality of many colleges across America. That is the reality of many schools across America. And you guys know that. Because when you go to college, basically the devil is waiting for you right there to brainwash you. And a lot of kids come out of college being atheists or being agnostics. Meaning they don't believe in God, but they, they believe in a deity or a supernatural force. I'm telling you, the devil is, has very little time. And he's very anxious about taking over. He wants to take over. But the church is still here. And the Antichrist is not going to show up until, you know, I believe the church is just a, a force, you know, that is uh, impeding the Antichrist from showing up. I mean, the Antichrist wants to show up. The, the world wants to put this together. They want to throw it all together. They want to, you know, create one world government. They want to create one world economy. They want to do all of that because they know they're running out of time. But we, the church, we're like a thorn. We're, you know, we, we're stopping them. And so the true church, we are the true church. How many of you believe that? We are the true church. So we might face the world's you know, biggest um, you know, persecution if Christ tarries. And I believe that uh, you know, he's coming back. And I, I, I would like you know, for him to come back and not to go through that. How many of you want to go through that? You don't, right? It's like, Lord, get me out of here, please. Here is my ticket. I want to go. But the true church is going to have to be faithful when it's tested, when it's refined. I mean, think about the church in, in those places in Saudi Arabia. Think about the church in, in Indonesia, in China, the persecution they had to face. Do you think we're more special than they are? So what's, what's the reality? The reality is we are the chosen ones. And God is, going to, God is going to protect us, the church. They have been protected supernaturally. And they have seen signs and wonders. And we're going to see that. We're going to see the greatest revival in the most dangerous time. We're going to see the greatest revival. It's going to be sort of like underground. Like many churches will meet in homes because... 
you know, the government may take their 501c3 status because they're not preaching in favor of homosexuality and all of that. Hello? You know that that's something the governor is really pushing for. And they've been talking about it for years. It's not something that they just came up with. They've been talking about it for the last 10 years or so. They've been saying, we want the churches to conform to our path, to conform to our ideologies, the way we live, the way we want to live. If they are not willing to submit, well, we're going to take away their sweet 501c3 status. We need to pray. I'm, I'm concerned about what we're seeing, but I'm not afraid because I know who my Redeemer is. Do you know who your Redeemer is? I mean, you, you turn on the news, you watch all the stuff, Ebola. And, I mean, that's, that's all part of the signs. You know, that's all part of the enterprise. And what's going to happen is unstoppable. Only God can stop it. You know, the blood wounds, the, um, the Shemitah, the sign that is being revealed right now as we speak. I mean, everything is sort of unfolding God is just quickening in the spirit, everything. And, and there is like a quickening in the, the spirit. Something is happening. There's a shift. And things are happening so quickly. And it's like you, you're not even able to catch up with what is happening. It's like there is so much stuff happening that you're like, well, I just thought that this was going to happen. But now, look, this is happening at the same time. It's like things are springing up. You know, you have two choices. You can either be fearful, hide in a cave and say, Lord, please get me out. Or you can go out there and win souls and make disciples and be the church. Be the church. Come on, let's, oops. The swinging things anointing. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Let's all just stand up, pray in the Spirit. Shout out back God. Shout out back God. Come on, just keep praying in the Spirit. Shout out back God. Oh, Jesus, we love you, we love you, we love you. Just raise your hands and pray in the Spirit. Fire of God is upon you. Oh, there is a strong anointing here. Oh, there is a strong anointing here. There's a strong anointing here. Come and get it. Come and get it.